you have learned from us how to live in order to please God. And just as you're living this way now, we ask you, indeed united with the Lord Yeshua, we urge you to keep doing so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you on the authority of our Lord Yeshua. What God wants is that you be holy, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to manage his sexual impulses in a holy and honorable manner, without giving in to lustful desires like the pagans who don't know God. No one should wrong his brother in this matter or take advantage of him because the Lord punishes all who do such things as we have explained to you before at length. For God did not call us to live an unclean life but to live a holy one. Therefore, whoever rejects this teaching is rejecting not man, but God. Indeed, the one who gives the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, which is his. Concerning love for the brothers, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other and to do love And you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do it even more. Also to make your ambition to live quietly, to mind your own business, and to earn your living by your own efforts. Just as we told you, then your daily life will gain the respect of outsiders, and you will not be, be dependent on anyone. We live today in a society that interprets the relationship between a husband and wife in a very different way than what God's word teaches. The delicate unity and the expression of love one towards another between husband and wife is a holy thing unto God. But the world has come in with the backing and influence of Hasatan to pervert this holy union. And so the spirit, the Ruach, spoke directly to Rav Shaul to write this particularly in the letter because anyone who is practicing intimate relationships out of God's holy institution, which is matrimony. And I have to clarify this because even in the country we live, they have a different interpretation of what marriage is to be. According to God's word, it is to be between one biological male who is the husband there has to be marriage included in this with a female biological origin 
a woman being his wife. Wife being singular. Husband being singular. And so the Lord wants us to focus on this today. God has not changed. Man keeps changing. Supreme courts change different things. These things happen. But we are to do what? We are to honor God's word above all things. Remember, our bodies no longer belong to us. They belong to the Lord. And Satan has tried to even pervert the relationship between a husband and wife in their intimacies with one another. But God says that the marriage bed is holy unto him. Praise be unto God. So let us focus now on verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, just as you've learned from us how to live in an order to please God, and just as you're living this way now, so now he's acknowledging them. He's complimenting them. He sees the transformation, the sanctification process has begun. We ask you indeed, united with Messiah Yeshua, and urging you to keep doing so more and more. So think about that time. That's around 2,000 years ago. Things are changing in society. And so we should be focused on doing more and more what the scripture says. We should honor God with our, not only our physical bodies, but with our thoughts, our words, our actions. So continuing here. A holy life, as we dig deeper, is one where Messianic believers lives to please God more and more. There is no, no such thing as static holiness. Sanctification is a dynamic progression as we walk with God. And how do we know this? Let's turn now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. The scripture gives us even greater insight. And notice who wrote the book to the Corinthians? Was Rav Shoul the Apostle Paul. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. So my dear brothers, stand firm and immovable, always doing the Lord's work as vigorously as you can, knowing that united with the Lord, your efforts are not in vain. So as we allow the sanctification process to change our minds and hearts, the Lord has taken away the stony heart of rebellion and now he's put a heart of flesh in there that would do and obey God's word. Now let us turn to Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27. God has much to speak. Another letter here also written by Rav Shaul. And we find that the continuity as we go through these letters. Rav Shul is not being turned by every wind of doctrine. He doesn't wet his finger and hold it up to the air and say, well, the wind's blowing this way, 
So to, to appease and to accommodate these people, I should, I should teach God's word this way. No, he continued to be led by the Spirit. So continuing here, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Only conduct your lives in a way worthy of the good news of Messiah, so that whether I come to see you or hear about you from a distance, you stand firm, united in spirit, fighting with one accord for the faith of the good news. So this is a word of encouragement. He's asking them to stand upon their own feet and not just to act and, and live a certain way when there's somebody who've come and presented the good news to you and then so that person you can't see them in the distance well let's just go back to our living our old lives the old way know this the spirit of living God dwells within us and he takes account and he convicts us in our hearts and minds when we do what is not pleasing in the Lord's sight next let us now look at Colossians which is next door Chapter 1 and verse 10. Another letter was written by Rav Shaul to the Colossian Messianic community. So that you may live lives worthy of the Lord and entirely pleasing to him, being fruitful in every good work and multiplying in the full knowledge of God. See, we're not just supposed to sit there and receive but we're to go and we're to meditate and we're to allow God's word to transform our lives. Praise be unto God. Now let us turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. And this is what it says this. We have to keep thanking God for you always, brothers, as an appropriate as it is appropriate, because your trust continues to grow greater and greater, and the love each of you have for one another continues to increase. See, when you're around other brothers and sisters in Messiah, it's a great encouragement to us and a great strengthening to us. Praise be unto God. And verse number four. Therefore, we boast about you in the congregations of God because of your perseverance and trust in all the persecutions and troubles you are now going through. Notice that. We're not the only ones in the history of the Messianic community that's going through difficulties. But we're to encourage and strengthen one another as we go through this. Now let us turn to 1st Kepha, which is 1st Peter, chapter 1, and verses 5. Here is someone else speaking. Well, do the, uh, do the apostles, the Shalakim, the called out ones, the emissaries, do they agree? Absolutely. So here we are in 1 Peter, 1 Kepha, chapter 1, and verse number 5. Meanwhile, through trusting, you are being protected by God's power for a deliverance ready to be revealed at the last time. Rejoice in this even though for a little while you have to experience grief in various trials. See, we should not be alarmed or amazed when these trials come towards us. But know this, we have a deliverer that will see us through. 
and in these trials. Verse 7, even gold is tested for genuineness by what? By fire. The purpose of these trials is that your trust genuineness, which is far more valuable than perishable gold, will be judged worthy of praise and glory and honor at the revealing of Yeshua the Messiah. Without having seen him, you love him. Without seeing him now, but trusting him, you continue to be full of joy in glorious beyond words. And you are receiving what your trust is aiming at, namely, your deliverance. One day the Lord shall deliver his people. Praise be unto God. Now let us go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 2. For you know what instructions we gave you on the authority of the Lord Yeshua. And so now as we dig deeper in that verse, the Greek word for instructions, which is translated in the English command, is a military term for authority marching orders. There are times when we say, Lord, I don't know which way to go. I got a decision here I need to make, but I just don't know what to decide on. I'm perplexed. In that time, we are to what? Inquire of the Lord. It said this, if anyone desires wisdom, he should ask of the Lord, and the Lord will give it to them. Praise be unto God. Back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 3. What God wants is that you be holy. That you keep away from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to manage his sexual impulses in a holy and honorable manner. Without giving into lustful desires like the pagans who do not know God. And you may be thinking, well, Rabbi Frank, this is a very, very delicate message. But this message is timely. Because remember this, our bodies we no longer own. Once we received Messiah, we became spiritually born again. And later we went through the waters of immersion, which symbolizes the death of our old life and rising up in new life in Messiah. That's undeniable. So we're no longer our own. So the things of the past, the things of our carnal nature, have to be put upon the execution stake, the cross, so that we can arise in new life in Messiah. Every Take every thought captive, every motivation. If you're not sure about what's motivating you, inquire of the spirit living God who's there to lead you into all truth. And then you will always do what is pleasing in the sight of your heavenly father. So these are tough questions. What is sanctification? Sanctification means to be what? To be set apart, to be made holy. It is a process which Messianic believers yield to the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and allow him to do his work in their lives. If we're really honest, we can remember times when the Spirit of the living God wanted us to do something or to consider something what the word has said. And we just simply closed up the book. And we went out and did something else. 
because the Spirit of the living God was speaking to those things that you and I, because you and I have a free will. Okay? We are servants of the Lord, and when the Lord gives us a command, and we hear, when we hear the Spirit of the living God speak into our hearts, we have the option because of free will not to do the will of the Father. And if we're being honest and open, we know that there's been those times and seasons in our lives. Does the Lord forsake us? Does his ruach, does his spirit depart from us? Absolutely not. But it grieves the spirit because he knows what is best for us. He's there to equip, to perfect us, and to cause us to be transformed. And so it's the willingness of our own hearts and minds. We have to partner with God so that the sanctification process, the transformation process can continue. Continuing. Sanctification means to be set apart, to be made holy. It is a process by which Messianic believers yield to the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and allow him to do his work in their lives. Changing them from what? From the inside out. You know what's amazing? Theologians have pointed to three different aspects of the one process of sanctification. And I'll share those with you today. Number one, the initial act of setting apart at salvation. That's positional. The Lord allows us to get into the position there to receive, to recon recognize, and have discernment along with our free will to decide whether we want to receive Yeshua's free gift of eternal life for us. And once we receive that, we're now in position to receive all that God has for us. But what has to be accomplished first? We have to repent. And then we become born again. And how do you get to that place of positional sanctification? When you come to the end of yourself, God spoke to his Jewish people in the Tanakh and said, you will find me if you seek Search after me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then I'll reveal myself to you in that intimacy. So, salvation, sanctification, positional, is the ongoing process of becoming more and more set apart and demonstrating then Yeshua-like character, which is next, the next step. That's progressive. There was a, some phrases in the 60s and 70s that were said, Oh Lord, you're not finished with me yet. That was a true acknowledgement that I have not been completely sanctified. That's a moment by moment, day to day, week to week, year to year process. And that is not completed until either we're ushered in the Lord's presence through death 
or when he comes back to us in the future at that appointed time for him to come for his bride without spot or wrinkle. So going forward here. Next, the final setting apart from sin is when believers are made perfect. How is this accomplished? When we receive our glorified bodies. Wait a second, Rabbi Frank. I, I want to get this straight in my mind. So in other words, you're saying when a believer dies, don't they go immediately in the presence of the Lord? Absolutely, your soul and spirit does. But your body remains here. That body has not been glorified. So with that, that will happen at a later date. According to scripture, when the Lord appears. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 18. First Corinthians chapter 15 verses 50 through 58. That's when that will be accomplished. So the final setting apart from sin when believers are made perfect, we receive our glorified bodies at the coming of Yeshua for his bride, his congregation, the church comprised of both Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah. So the setting apart final stage, perfect sanctification, is revealed in 1 Thessalonians chapters 3 and 4. And it includes these three aspects. And we'll look at them a little bit deeper here. Number one, positional sanctification. I was sanctified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7. For God did not call us to live in an unclean life, but a holy one. That's from the complete Jewish Bible, NIV. This is how it's written. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Our next portion there is progressive sanctification. I'm being sanctified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. What God wants is to be for you to be holy, that you keep away from sexual immorality. That's a complete Jewish Bible version, NIV. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. NIV, in our New International Version. Number three, perfected sanctification. I will be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 12. And this is what it says. So that he, and who's the he here? Yeshua, may give you inner strength to be blameless by reason of what? Your holiness. When you stand before God our Father, at the coming of our Lord Yeshua with his holy ones. Now from the NIV translation. So that you will be blameless, holy in the presence of God and Father when our Lord Yeshua comes with all his holy ones. Praise be to God. So we are to manage our sexual impulses in a holy and honorable way. The word translated sexual impulses is a Greek word, skivos. It's a thing, an object, or an instrument, or a vessel. I take skivos here to mean instrument, referring to obliquely to the male genitalia. 
Rabbi, you're getting personal. Has not God created our body in every form? And are we, are we not to dedicate every portion of our body to his holiness and the expression thereof? Absolutely. Does the world interpret that a whole different way? Yes, they do. They have perverted what God's design to be used only for his purposes. And they perverted it. So that's why there are times when messages pull no punches. Because the very thing that believers are abusing, their bodies, not being used for the glory of God, that's sin and that separates them from God and their relationship, that intimacy. And so the Lord is Lord over everything, every aspect. Our physical body, our mind, our soul, and our spirit. And if he's not Lord of all those areas of us, then he's not Lord at all. And it's sad when you hear about men and women of God who are out there and doing all these perverted things. The reason why they're doing those perverted things is that they have not yielded their bodies to the glory and purpose of God the Father. And so Rafshul was warning those to not be like the world and the things that you used to do. You have these natural impulses. He says, now walk by the Spirit. Control your thoughts. Control your actions. Praise be unto God. But if skivos means vessel, then like the mountain of myrrh, the garden in the Song of Songs, it refers to the female gentilia also. and makes possible three interpretations. Number one, take a wife for yourself in holiness and honor. The Revised Standard Version Bible. This accords with the rabbinic usage too. To live one's life in a way that is holy and honorable. So we are to manage our sexual life now with our own personal wife. And as I said earlier, the husband is to be a biological male who's entered into covenant marriage with that one particular woman who's a biological female. They're to honor one another. So specifically addressing the importance of a husband being considerate of his wife's sexual satisfaction. We now must turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and beginning at verse number 3. See, Rav Shaul had to deal with these very, very delicate matters because the majority of people that he was currently reaching with the good news were coming out of pagan worship. And the act of their worship was to do perverted things as an act of worship to their pagan gods. And so they had to be told what God expected of them. So here we are in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7 and beginning at verse number 3. The husband should give his wife what she's entitled to in the marriage relationship. 
The wife should do the same for her husband. The wife is not in charge of her own body, but her husband is. Likewise, the husband is not in charge of his own body, but his wife is. Do not deprive each other except for a limited time by mutual agreement, and then only so as to have extra time for what? For prayer. But afterwards, come together. Otherwise, because of your lack of self-control, you may succumb to the adversary's temptation. Notice that? Who's there to divide and destroy the intimacy of the holy bed between a husband and wife? Hasatan, the tempter. And that's clearly seen here. And so, going a little bit deeper in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 and 5. Sexual relationship in marriage between a husband who is a male and a wife, a female, is a beautiful thing. Because of the highly sexual aspect of the pagan worship in Corinth. So Messianic believers may have thought that they should abstain from sex, even within marriage. Shaul now reassures the Corinthian Messianic believers of the necessity of the divine beauty of the sexual union within godly marriage. Now, turn with me to Messianic Jews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 13 and verse 4. And this is what it says there. You are to keep the marriage bed pure. And this conveys the idea that the Messiah... Yeshua approves of sexual intimacy between a husband, a male, biological, and a wife, female, biological. However, the sins of fornicators and adulterers and all sexual immoral morality, God will indeed punish. And they have particularly damaging consequences. So now let us look at the scripture, what God's word says in greater detail, dealing with this issue. So let us turn now to the book of Genesis, chapter 2 and verse number 24. And this is what it says there. This is why a man is to leave his father and mother and to stick, to cleave, to become one with his wife, and they are to become what? One flesh. That's God's design and plan. So now let us look at the book of Proverbs, chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, to see what God's word continues to clarify his heart's desire pertaining to this subject. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So we're in right now into the book of Proverbs in chapter 5 and verses 18 and 19. Let the fountain of your wife of your youth be blessed. Find joy in her, a lovely deer, a graceful fawn. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be infatuated with her love. 
Now you may be saying, Rabbi Frank, that's kind of out of bounds, is it? No, it's God's description of the natural given desire of a biological male husband that's supposed to be engaged and enjoyed with only his biological female wife, a woman. And we live in a times now where everything is perverted. Now, let us go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Because the Lord gives further instruction. Aren't you glad that God, God's word gives further instruction? Leaving no doubt that this is a holy thing. And that our bodies are holy. And our bodies should only be used for holy pursuits. And that God distinguishes and defines what those holy pursuits are. Even amidst in the intimacy of a marital relationship. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 and 21. And it is perfectly evident that the old na- what the old nature does, it expresses itself in sexual immorality, impurity, and indecency. Involvement with the occult, with drugs, infuting, fighting, becoming jealous, and getting angry, and in selfish ambition. Factionalism, intrigue, and envy and drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, those who do such things will have no share in the kingdom of God. See, God is giving his instruction here. That these people are to live holy lives. And not to do the former things that they did prior Praise be unto God. So now we contrast now what Shaul writes with calmly held opinion. That he was a male chauvinist. Also that with the Victorian misimpression that the Bible is against sex at all costs. The Bible opposes not sex, but giving into lustful desires like the pagans who don't know God. Therefore, Commit adultery, those who therefore commit adultery and fornication with impunity. So what is the definition of fornication? Fornication is this, consensual sexual intercourse between two persons who are not married. You know what's amazing? There are many people in congregations that are having intimacy out of their marriage union. And people are just... Winking, and they're just allowing that to continue. And that should not be. Continuing here. Fornication, consensual sexual intercourse between two persons who are not married, especially when done is considered sin, which include adultery. In the Tanakh, the Old Covenant, all sexual sin was prohibited by the Mosaic Torah law and Jewish custom. So, God does not leave any doubt about the importance of sexual purity in both our behavior and in our thought life. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Rav Shaul was inspired by the Spirit of the living God to speak more on this subject. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, in beginning at verse 15. It says this, What harmony can there be between the Messiah and Baal? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement can there be between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will house myself in them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, Adonai says, go out from their midst, separate yourselves, don't even touch what is unclean, then I, may, then I myself will receive you. In fact, I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says Adonai Zabaot. Can that be any clearer? Your body is literally God's tabernacle, his temple, where the spirit, the living God, dwells. And when you contemplate that for a second, that when you enter into intimacy outside of marriage, what you're doing is you're bringing the literal presence of God into a very unholy act, and you're grieving the spirit of the living God. And if you do not repent, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. God's word is very, very clear on this subject. And God has not asked a rabbi, a pastor, a member of a congregation to please those that are in the midst of the congregation. The spirit of the living God brings about conviction. So that true repentance and reconciliation and the cleansing of your temples can be reestablished as you decide to go forward with the ongoing progressive sanctification of the spirit of the living God. Praise be unto God for his word is true. Now let us turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. Praise be unto God. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 and 19. Therefore I say this, indeed, in union with the Lord, I insist on it. Do not live any longer as pagans live, with their sterile ways of thinking. Their intelligence has been shrouded in darkness. And they were estranged from the life of God because of ignorance in them, which in turn comes from resisting God's will. They have lost all feelings so that they have abandoned themselves to sensuality, practicing any kind of impurity, always greedy for more. Next, let us turn to Colossians 3.5. Therefore, put to death the earthly parts of your nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is a form of idolatry. Notice that? Remember what was shared earlier? That these people that were coming out of this pagan culture, they literally used their bodies as an act of worship when they entered in those orgies. Now that we've been sanctified, 
We no longer practice those things. And now we fully dedicate our bodies as a holy and living sacrifice unto God's, our Father's pleasure and his will. To whom do you worship today? The world and within your old nature? Or do you worship now in your spirit man? As you have said to the Lord, all that I am, both body, mind, and soul, and spirit, belong to you, Lord, and only unto you. Continuing. It is a part of our sanctification. So, that passionate lust includes anything outside the bonds of heterosexual marriage, including indecency of mind, an unlawful desire for another person, incest, carnality, and even pornography. Now, let us go ahead and look here at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3. Ephesians 3, chapter 5 and verse 3. And this is what God's instruction here from the same apostle that God chose to clarify how we should operate in holy worship unto the Lord. Among you there should not even be mentioned sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed. These are utterly inappropriate for God's holy people. Can that be any clearer than that? I don't believe so. Next, let us turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. Another apostle. Now, are they going to pose one another on this? Or are they going to clearly speak God's word? It's amazing when you think of the apostles of old. They never contradict anything which the prophets of the old Testament that Tanakh spoke of. They added to giving greater clarification of what was already taking place in the Tanakh, the Old Testament. So here we are in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, and beginning at verse number 15. On the contrary, the following the Holy One who called you became holy yourselves in your entire way of life. Since the Tanakh says, you are to be holy because I am holy. Also, if you are dressing as father, the one who judges impartially, according to each person's actions, you should live out your temporary stay on earth in fear. You should be aware that the ransom paid to free you from the worthless way of life which your fathers passed onto you did not consist of anything perishable like silver or gold. On the contrary, it was the costly, bloody, sacrificial death of the Messiah as the Lamb without defect or spot. God knew him before the founding of the universe but revealed him in their Arachat Hanim, which are the last days. For our sakes, through him to trust in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your trust and hope are in God. 
Now that you have purified yourselves, notice that. You're working with the Spirit of the living God for the sanctification process to continue. We can't just sit back and do nothing. We have to listen and obey what the Spirit of the living God is telling us to do. Now that you have, been, you have purified yourselves by what? Obeying the truth. So that you may have a sincere love for your brothers. Love each other deeply with all your heart. You have been born again, not from some seed that will decay, but from the one that cannot decay, through the living word of God that lasts forever. For all humanity is like grass. All its glory is like a wildflower. The grass withers, the flower fades off, but the word of Adonai shall last forever. Moreover, this word is the good news which has now been proclaimed to you. So we have to make choices. We have to do our part through this sanctification portion. We cannot be lazy, but we must be diligent, listening to what the Spirit of the living God is speaking to us moment by moment, day by day, from year to year. Praise be unto God. For his name is to be exalted over and beyond all things. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, continuing, in matters of sexuality, Messianic believers must conduct themselves. Not may, should, if. No, they must conduct themselves in a way that is honorable. In the behavior suitable before God and human beings respectively. Back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we'll probably end on this Right now. Verse number six. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse number six. No one should wrong his brother in this matter or take advantage of him, because Yeshua punishes all who do such things. Wait, wait a second. No, no, no. He's the Lamb of God. He's a meek and mealy little lamb. He's there not to hurt anyone. Wrong. He is a lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you have to respect him and see him from that perspective. He is there to discipline us. He has paid the way. You belong to him. Or don't you? Continuing. No one should wrong his brother in this matter or take advantage of him because Yeshua punishes all who do such things. As we have explained to you before at length, for God did not call us to live an unclean life, but a holy one. Therefore, who re whoever rejects this teaching is rejecting not man, but God. Indeed, the one who gives the Ruach HaKodesh, this Holy Spirit, which is his. Concerning love for the brothers, we do not need to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you brothers and sisters to do it even more. Praise be unto God. 